the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for direction in your life, especially as a Christian? You long to live a life that pleases Christ, right? So where do you go? The Bible, obviously. Today, specifically, we'll be in Luke chapter 6 as we continue with our look at the Sermon on the Mount, the life of the Christian in the kingdom of God. Join us. Abounding Grace is next. The Ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Greetings in Christ. Welcome to today's program. As you mentioned just a moment ago, we're in Luke chapter 6, along with a few other passages as we focus on the Sermon on the Mount. Today, we're continuing our little mini-series within this Sermon on the Mount, Life of a Christian in the Kingdom of God, Part 4. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. In this picture of the Christian that Jesus has painted for us in the Beatitudes, that last Beatitude, which we shall consider this morning, most clearly represents to us the complete difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. This last Beatitude can be described very simply, non-Christians persecute Christians, or as Jesus said in Luke 6.22, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and when they shall reproach you, or cast insults at you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets." We are here presented with the fact that we as Christians cannot be naive about. And that is, persecution is a part of the Christian life. In some eras, Christians have experienced more persecution than in other eras. In some eras, persecution has taken a different form and character than it has at other times. And in a Christian's own life, There may be times in which he shall suffer severe persecution for his faith. And at other times, it may be a bit more calm. It says in our text, though, that Christians will be persecuted for their faith in Christ. But you may be saying, Gary, that has not been true for me. I have not faced any real judgment in the world at all. Well, beloved, maybe it's because you're living too much like the world for them to see any difference. But if you truly are demonstrating a Christ-likeness in your life, I want to tell you one thing. Your life is not over yet, so you better be prepared. Persecution 
insults, suffering for the sake of Christ, slander, people trying to discredit you. Those are the things that are the most pernicious and the most effective in our day. In fact, there is an entire book of the Bible written that we have already studied to help Christians deal with slander. Do you remember what book that is? It is the book of 1 Peter. Go back and study it again to prepare yourself to deal with the insults and the slander that shall be flung at you from this present evil age. If there ever was an age that has honed slander down to a fine art, it is the age in which we now live. If you are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be slandered and insulted by non-Christians in this age. And they will say all kinds of evil things about you. You will be painted as a fanatic and an extremist. Something on the level of a jihad Muslim. Someone who was on the fringe of American culture. And beloved here at RHC, that is the truth in you compared to most Christians today. I want you to notice all the verbs Jesus uses to describe this persecution. He says that evil cultures will hate faithful Christians. He says that apostate churches will ostracize true Christians. That is, excommunicate them and discredit them. Evil cultures will heap insults on faithful Christians in an effort to discourage them. They will spurn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Now, these are all strong words. And the more evil and hostile to Christ a culture becomes, the more intense and pernicious the persecution of Christians become. And understand, when Jesus is speaking of the persecution of Christians, it is not just persecution from the state or from atheist and radical humanist. It is also from the church. Remember who gave Jesus the hardest time who did their best to discredit Jesus, slander Jesus, exaggerate things about him every time he turned around. It was the scribes and the Pharisees who were the leaders of the church of that day. So Jesus says, don't only expect an anti-Christian civil government to oppose you if they view you as a threat to their goal. Don't only view the anti-Christian society you live in to be hostile to you, but if the church is not what she has been commanded to be by Almighty God, if she is full of spiritual declension and apostasy, then expect the church and her leadership to be a threat to you and persecute you and hate you. Jesus made the point clear throughout his whole life. Your harshest and most severe And most unkind persecutors can be the leadership of the churches of the day. So as you live your faithful life, do not be naive, beloved. Christians who are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ will experience severe, brutal persecution. And so far in our age, that persecution has taken the form most often of slander. Telling lies behind your back. We'll come back to that. Now why is it from Jesus' perspective that non-Christians persecute Christians? Well, let's see what Matthew and Luke both stated that Jesus said 
in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew's record states that Jesus said, The reason non-Christians are going to persecute you and insult you and slander you is, quote, on account of me or because of righteousness sake. Luke says that Jesus said they are going to persecute you in verse 27 for the sake of the Son of Man. So what is the reason for this persecution of Christians? Well, if you're persecuted for a lack of wisdom, that is not what he is getting at here. If you are persecuted because you have been reckless and irresponsible and overzealous in defending the faith or because of your own stupidity, saying things out of hand... That is not what he is saying here either. What Jesus is saying is, if you get in trouble and people start talking bad about you because you love me and want to be like me and live for me, because you want to live a righteous life, then you will be persecuted. Now that's an amazing statement, beloved. Because you would think everyone would want you to live a righteous life especially in this world of lawlessness and vandalism. Crime is on the rise in America today, as if I had to tell you. And you would think that your neighbors would want you to be righteous. That certainly seems reasonable to me. If everyone in your neighborhood is righteous, it would be a pretty safe neighborhood, would it not? Well, Jesus said if you're a righteous, non-Christians will persecute you. If you try to live for God in your neighborhood and your workplace and at school or in your culture, family members, co-workers, government officials, and society at large will persecute you, insult you, slander you, and at times even wish you were dead. You say, preacher, I can't believe that. Well, it's not me saying this. It is Jesus. You have to question him, beloved, not me. He says, if you love me and you want to stand for me and live a righteous life, this world will oppose you. Family members will oppose you. Co-workers will oppose you. Fellow students and teachers will oppose you. Government leaders will oppose you. Do not be naive. Turn, if you will, to John 15, beginning in verse 18. He says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. In other words, Jesus is saying, If people around you hate you, don't take it personal. He says, They hate you because they hate me. And if they didn't hate hate me, they would not hate you. Let's go on. If you are of the world... The world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. If the world knew you were one of them, if you think the way the world thinks, that is in rebellion against me, if you live the way the world lives, if you dress the way the world dresses, if you have the mores the world has, the customs the world has, and if you talk the way the world does, you won't be persecuted at all. The world won't hate you then. It won't insult you. It won't ostracize you because you will be in with the world's in crowd. But since you are not of the world, Because Jesus Christ has chosen you out of the world and made you a new creature. 
And since the world is conscious that you are not like it is because of the righteous way you live, the world will hate you as it hates the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 20 of John 15. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We're not better than Jesus. If the world will insult and slander the Lord Jesus Christ, then because you belong to him and they identify you with him, if you're living a righteous life, they will slander and persecute you as well. Verse 21. But all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake. It is for me. It is me they are after, he says. Verse 21 again. But all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. You see, as long as you stay faithful to Christ, you will make those of the world who live around you feel guilty. Whenever you are around them, just as when Jesus was around his persecutors, you will make them feel guilty and rather than dealing biblically with their sin. They would rather crucify you, take you out of the picture, one way or the other. Verse 23. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other men did, they had not had sin. But now they have, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. And therefore, they hate you also. Now notice the point he makes time after time in these verses. He says, it is me they want. There was a picture of a beautiful woman given to us in the book of Revelation. She has stars all around her head and she's just about to give birth to a baby boy. Sitting in front of her, waiting for her to deliver is a terrible, ugly dragon who wants to devour that little baby as soon as he is born. So when this beautiful woman, a symbol of the Old Testament church, gives birth to this little child, the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan the dragon tries to destroy him. But God snatches him up by ascension to God's right hand. And then, because of frustration, not able to get to Jesus, the dragon goes out to try and devour the rest of that woman's children. And that is you and I, those who love the Lord Jesus Christ and desire to serve him alone. It's Jesus whom Satan really wants. But because he cannot get to Jesus, he comes after that which Jesus loves the most, his bride, the church. And Satan will use slander and persecution by the false church, the state, and society to try and drag you and I down and destroy our testimony and cause us to just simply chicken out, to compromise. Jesus said in Matthew's account, they will persecute you on account of me for, the, for righteousness sake. Luke's account says that Jesus gave us the reason for our persecution in verse 22 of Luke 6. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. 
Jesus said, everyone who believes that I am the Son of Man and who lives consistently with that faith will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Not all professing Christians, not all members of the church will be persecuted. Not all those who say they love the Lord Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Not all those that say they believe the Bible to be the word of God will be persecuted. But every one of those who believe and live consistently with the fact that Jesus is the Son of Man will be persecuted. That is to say, those who live as Christ in an evil culture. The phrase, the Son of Man, has been misunderstood throughout the centuries, usually implying that Jesus was only just human. Well, this title, Jesus, the Son of Man, implies far more than the fact that he was a human being who suffered on our behalf. Scripture says the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life as a ransom for me. So there is that element of suffering because he was a human being, but it entails far, far more. Jesus picked this name, the Son of Man, for himself as a favorite name. But he referred to himself as such, not simply because he was a human who would have to suffer, but because of what this name meant when it was first used in Daniel 7. So let's go to Daniel 7. We'll read verses 13 and 14. The word of God says, I saw it in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came not with clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, or that is, God the Father. So here, beloved, he is ascending into heaven. This is not the second coming at the end of time. Notice he is ascending. He is not descending. And then it says, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion. Now remember what Paul said in Philippians. Because Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death, because he was obedient to the cross, God highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name. That is the same point being made here in Daniel 7. And it says, And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Now here it says, This one who is called the Son of Man would ascend before God, and God would give him a kingdom, and he would give him dominion and sovereignty, the power to rule over all things, and nothing, nothing would be excluded from his kingdom. Everything in all of life throughout all history would be under the sovereignty, the kingdom, the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would govern over everything when when he ascended to God's right hand. In fact, as a result of his gracious rule over every area of life, all people, nations, and men of every language will serve him. Listen, 
God has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ the Lord is, to Jesus Christ the Lord, the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ reigns over all. He will put down all opposing kingdoms and all the power of evil put together cannot end his kingdom. For it shall be, it says, forever. Now hopefully from that you see why Jesus loved this name, the Son of Man. And he said if you believe this and you live consistently with the implications of this in an even culture, evil culture, you will Be persecuted for it. If you believe Jesus is the Son of Man, the King of the political process of even the United States, the one to whom all men and nations are accountable, who is so working now that he will overturn all opposition and will someday have a world comprised of only those who believe in him as their Lord and Savior, serving him. You will be persecuted in your lifetime because to live this out consistently in your daily life means you are to seek to proclaim the crown rights of Jesus Christ over every area of your life and his created order. In Acts 17, we read of a Jewish Christian named Jason and certain of his brethren who were arrested and brought to court. It was stated that they had turned the world upside down simply by declaring against the decrees of Caesar that there was another king, a greater king, one Jesus. And if a high bond had not been paid for Jesus and his brethren, they would have been, they would have been severely punished right then and there. Praise God for men like Jason. We need more men like him today, declaring Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords, even over that dreadful tyrant Obama and his band of foolish hacks. Beloved, I'm sorry if a statement like that makes you squirm in your seats and makes you feel uncomfortable. But until we are willing to stand up and speak the truth about those who violently trod on biblical truths, the law word of our sovereign holy God, we will willingly become their slaves. And I, for one, have had enough. Our government is ruled, riddled with God-haters, traitors, and damnable liars. If we, like Jason, are going to turn this world upside down for Christ, we must live out these beatitudes in our lives and show to the world that Jesus Christ does indeed sit on his throne and reign and rule over all his created order. And all those who stand against him will either be brought to their knees before him in faith or in terror of his wrath. When you believe that Jesus is the king, the Son of Man with glory, dominion, and sovereignty and power, and that all nations shall serve Him, then you will live consistently with that and seek to serve Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and energy. You will make your 
sure your children serve him. You will do all you can to influence others to serve him, and you will, you will expose the darkness and degradation of a culture that does not believe in him and serve him. But beloved, if you live like this, you must be ready to suffer and be ready to give up whatever ease and affluence you may have. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are two in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m., and Wednesday evening services are at 7.15. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408 408- 866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.